I'm not sure how clear it is, but this semester I've gotten way distracted at different times and it's definitely thrown me off track with my overall goals and stuff. It's driven me insane. I started reading from this book recently by Nir Eyal called Indistractable, and I've just been reading it from Overdrive. I just borrowed it from the school library, and it's been super cool so far. I wanted to share three of the biggest lessons I've learned from it so far in my takeaways. So these thoughts aren't super, like, you know, powerful. I guess they're they're like my general initial thoughts that I'm going to run with and keep thinking about, but I think they're still super good. I mean, they're obviously nearly all thoughts that I've like kind of DJed out into my own way, but I hope that this episode is helpful for you. If you are struggling with distraction, struggling with staying focused on things as I have, those three things are how all motivation is a desire to escape discomfort, how our bodies are engineered to favor stabilization and to just kind of keep seeking for different ways to get gratification. And finally, the study that proves why brains are, brains tend to prefer doing to thinking. And with that all said, we'll just jump right into it. There's a lot of really good case studies and stuff in this book that I honestly really liked. And one of the ones that really stood out to me is from this one lady that she was really stressed and she got a pedometer to help her to stay focused and to help her be more active and everything. At the same time, she was also facing a potential divorce with her husband. And on top of that, he was a marketing teacher or a teacher at a university. I'm not sure if it was marketing. And she wanted to get a job at the same university as him, but obviously the school's not going to want to have a divorced couple in the faculty. It just probably be a little problematic. And so she had all of this stress and do you know how she escaped it? Her pedometer. And it's amazing because this pedometer had a built-in like world in it that whenever you did any kind of exercise, you got points that you could use in this imaginary world. And it was super, it like resonated with me so much because I recently deleted this game called Pokemon Unite from my Switch that wasn't stealing a ton of time, but incentivized me to get on, you know, each day when I could, you know, I don't play video games on Sundays, but it could get me a lot of the days to like get these bonuses and there is a special event going on and it makes you want to keep playing. And I had a day recently, I think it was like last Tuesday actually, and I had a bunch of homework to do and I played that while listening to Extreme Ownership by Jocko Willink, which was the biggest irony I can possibly think of being completely trapped by this game while I'm listening to a show or a book all about taking complete ownership of your life. But that's beside the point. Anyway, I played the game for only like half an hour, but it basically took my brain completely off track. And now I was thinking like, oh, I just got to go eat now and I got to go do all this stuff. And it just threw me out for a loop. And so I was kind of upset and I just kind of felt like I should delete the game. So I did. And this lady, she kept using her pedometer. Now we're back to the pedometer. And there's this one day, it was like midnight. She's about to go to bed and the pedometer is like, hey, if you do three stair climbs, you'll get triple points. She's like three stair climbs, dude, that's not that hard. So she actually just gets out of bed and she does three stair climbs. Like, hey, if you do 
40 stair climbs, you'll get triple the points. She ended up keeping this up like a fitness zombie and ended up basically doing like 2,000 steps before she went to bed and it was like 2 a.m. And for me, this resonated with me so much because I've had a couple times this semester where I'll watch this documentary about some business failure or whatever and then I'm watching this and another one and now I'm watching some old video game YouTube channels I used to watch because I feel like I need to uphold that identity or something and it feels useful because I'm learning and sleep feels so like at least right now or in that moment it felt so pointless you know and I was going to have to wake up and everything I'm like uh I'm not gonna be able to sleep so I might as well just keep watching it's easier to keep watching than to keep going an object in motion tends to stay in motion unless acted upon by some other force is the Newton's law there but anyway I really resonated with this and I like this thought a lot because I've literally stayed up all night a couple times a semester watching stuff on YouTube and it's like not super bad it's like my sleep dude it's so important. <laughs> like when I have kids and stuff, I'm like hardly gonna be able to sleep at all. Like, what am I doing right now? I'm learning. That's what I'm doing. But anyway, yeah, it's so interesting. But Neri all kind of dives into it. Like what she was trying to do was escape her reality and escape this feeling of discomfort that she was feeling from her life. And that's what I feel with like watching the YouTube videos and stuff. All those things are completely like put on pause, but they're not actually put on pause. It just feels like they have been as opposed to when I actually face those things and work on those things and it feels great and I grow and I become better. It's just, uh, yeah, it's so fascinating. So that's something I'm really trying to internalize and see like, okay, when I'm feeling tempted to do something or just like, hey, I should check my podcast stats or something like that, and I know I need to be doing something else, then I need to just respect my feelings, respect myself, and just try to think beyond the moment. And that's something that Nariel goes on and talks about is like how traction is all about moving forward towards your goals and distraction kind of takes you away from it. And how if you plan the distracted time, then that's a win. But if you get distracted, then obviously that's a loss because you were trying to get something done and now you're not getting it done. And so there's so many different thoughts I have with this, but that's the first one that I wanted to share is just that any kind of distraction you feel, it's an attempt from your brain to escape discomfort. And as we know, there's no comfort in the growth zone and there's no growth in the comfort zone. So yeah, you got to learn to love that discomfort and learn from it and what it's trying to tell you, what it's trying to help you do. The second thought is just that our brains love to normalize and to like de like stabilize back to feelings and thoughts that it had in the past. And I guess I didn't explain that very well. Basically, like this thought of homeostasis, like I have a super fantastic run, right? I am going to feel fantastic for about an hour and a half, and then I'm just going to feel back to normal. And the reason for this is that our bodies need to feel like we're going after something. If we had this perpetual state of satisfaction, a lot of us wouldn't really do anything because we wouldn't feel the difference of hunger versus not being hungry, 
satisfied versus unsatisfied, you know, like all this stuff, you wouldn't feel that. And so it's really, it's really good that we have that, but you need to keep in mind that your brain is constantly searching for all these dopamine rushes. I mean, right now you can think of all kinds of stuff you could do to get a quick little dopamine rush. You could watch a quick, funny YouTube video. You could go to the store and get a candy bar. You know, all these things are things that you can do, but at the end of the day, your brain is going to go back to normal and it's not really going to be your permanent state. And no matter how much you think that getting a million followers on Instagram or anything like that is going to bring you lasting happiness, I'm here to tell you that it's not. And even though I don't have a million followers, I can tell you that the giant successes I have had with the podcast are fleeting and you have to keep moving forward and learning and growing, you know, because that's more lasting because that actually is real. Whereas with so many of these social media sites, and I got this a lot from The Social Dilemma, all of our attention and stuff is being manufactured. People are getting paid tons and tons of money to distract us and take us off of our path. And it's not like you're going super off your path. You're just going off a little bit. But then you catch a train of distraction. You end up completely on the opposite side of town, so to speak. And it just throws you off. It just throws you off and uh, it's not good. But just recognizing that your brain is going to go back to that general state of normalcy is important. Even though if you buy a game, you can feel that excitement, but it's going to wear off over time. And so if recognizing this, it really helps to know like, what are you going to do when you're back in that state, when you come to earth, so to speak? Because when I get out of class... I generally don't want to do anything lately. I just want to sit down and lay down. But lately I've tried to like go on a run, go on a walk, even just taking a shower, just something to like change the overall flow of my thoughts and stuff really helps me to turn the unconscious thoughts and stuff into something conscious that I can control and that is uh, benefiting me. The final thought real quick here is that doing is better than thinking. And this is something that near or somebody got from this experiment that happened with these two groups and they were put in this room and they had to stay in the room for 15 minutes and they couldn't do anything. And they had this little shock thing that they could press if they wanted. And every single one of the people had said they pay money to not be shocked. But Joan ended up happening With them being alone with the shocker, they ended up pressing the button like 65% of the males and 25% of the females ended up pressing the button. And this was like mind blowing to me because it's like if you have Angry Birds or if you have Crossy Road, Crossy Road was a big one for me, but I deleted it. I didn't like play it a ton, but I was like starting to get into it a lot. I was like right about to like get more into it, I think. And I don't think I've ever really been addicted to this kind of stuff, but I have definitely been more or less like hooked on it, you know, and you just have to kind of be aware of that. Going back to that study that happened, they found that people, when they were left alone with that shocker, a lot of them would do it because what else are you going to do? Meditate or something? I guess not. You know, that's what I would have done at least now. Because I've been meditating a lot more lately, which has been good. But 
these people, they had this choice and were either victims or victors when it comes to our environment design. James Clear said it really well that environment is the invisible hand that shapes human behavior. Lately, I've been going to the library more because there's so many less distractions there. And usually I just talk to people all day long. That's happened to me before at the library. But with so many friends graduating, there's not as many people I know that go to the library. So it's not as big of a temptation. And I've been getting a lot done at the library and just on campus in general. And not so much in my apartment where all of my thoughts and all of my anxieties and stuff are carpomentalized. Carpen... Compartmentalized, compartmentalized. Wow, I cannot say that word. What the heck? Compartmentalized, compartmentalized, compartmentalized. Wow. Okay. Anyway, there's a word that I need to work on. But anyway, yeah, like it's all here, and there's all these like different instances where I stayed up watching YouTube or I just played video games and stuff, and it's like I don't want to study in that environment. So I've been trying to study more on campus, and that's been good because. Whatever is like within arm's reach of you, that's what you're going to to do. You know, when I have a book nearby, I'm more likely to read it. When I have a phone nearby, I'm more likely to call somebody or do something on that phone. And so it's very important to consider this and keep this in mind that doing is prioritized generally by our brain rather than thinking. And this makes a lot of sense because with those days that I stayed up all night watching YouTube... I mean, I was just clicking from video to video, but I felt like I was being productive as opposed to like, if I had just taken some time to just think and think about my life and stuff, that would have been much more productive for me personally over the long term. But our brains tend to favor actually doing over just thinking about stuff. So I think that's really important to consider. And I just encourage you to design your environment in a way that's going to help you out. Don't give yourself 50,000 things you're trying to get done because it can be really stressful. If you're able to take control of this and actually think a lot more and use your thinking to help you do better doing, you will do so much better. But for me, like I've been living on autopilot the last couple of weeks and it's not been fun, not been fun. And a lot of that is like habits, even though I'm not using social media hardly at all. There's still all these little cues like, oh, I'll watch a little bit of Shark Tank when I should be doing homework. And all of a sudden that turns into watching a whole episode. As opposed to the times where I'm able to consciously be like, okay, I'm going to watch one pitch and I'm out. And I get to ride that momentum. And it's great. It's exciting. It's awesome. But it's always easier to keep moving and keep doing rather than to stop and think. So just considering that is is huge. With that all said, I mean, there's so much more I'm going to get out of this book. I'm only like 20% of the way done. I hope to get Neri all on the podcast too. I think he's got some really good stuff. I've seen him on other podcasts. I'll have a link to his book in the show notes if you'd like to check it out. But this is definitely not the last you've seen in this book. There's so much other good stuff I'm looking forward to diving into. And hopefully me being vulnerable and sharing my thoughts and insights with you was beneficial in some way. And at the very least, I hope that... uh, Hope that the podcast helps you with going towards your best self and helping you be a little more conscious and to take care of yourself more. 
And I really hope it does that for you. Again, those three thoughts were that all motivation is your brain trying to escape discomfort, how your brain will normalize all those emotions and stuff over time. And three, how your brain tends to prefer doing to thinking. Definitely going to be getting a lot more interviews on deck very soon. I keep saying that, but I promise it is going to happen. I am learning a lot. I'm moving forward. I'm trying and I'm getting better. So as always, thank you so much for listening. Don't forget to yield today. It'll be a better tomorrow.